on Sunday night. Looking forward to get, as most of you know, Brother Terrell's with us, or as we know him, he Tater Man's with us, amen, and his family, and they're going to sing a song for us uh, before he preaches, after we sing a little bit, and we're going to get right to the service, and uh, how many of you think we'll be in church tonight, amen. amen. Good to see all of you, and uh, appreciate all of you. Father, we just thank you tonight, Lord, for, uh, Lord, the good day you've given us thus far, Lord, we come tonight just seeking seeking more from you, Lord, seeking more from your word, and Lord, before we get into the, the, the precious word of God, though, we want, we're going to take a moment or two just to sing praises unto you. deserve every single one of them. So just my, my desire tonight is you just bless us, Lord. You encourage us. You challenge us if we need challenge, Lord. You change us, of course. And, and Lord, that Jesus would be magnified. Just have your will and way in this service. Be with my friend, Brother Tater, Lord, tonight as he comes to preach. And just thank you for him and his family and their service to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening, everyone. As, uh, as we typically will do, we'll have a few popcorn picking song options, and then um, Tater Man's wife and son will sing us a song right before he comes and preaches. But uh, just go ahead and look in the hymnal. Anybody have any particular song they'd like to sing? Again, if I don't know it, you're free to come on up and sing it. And if Miss Joanne can't play it, uh, you you try you can try your best at playing the piano unless you already know how and that's great. <laughs> yes, sir, Mr. Glick. Five hundred seventeen. Five hundred seventeen. <clears throat> I will sing of my redeemer. Let's go ahead and stand. And Mr. Caleb, would you read the verse with that one? Thank you, thank you. 517, I will sing of my Redeemer. First verse and chorus. I will sing of my Redeemer And His wondrous love to me On the cruel cross He suffered From the Set me free, sing of sing of my Redeemer. With His blood He purchased me on the cross. He sealed my pardon, paid the debt, and. Someone else. <clears throat> 250? All right. 250. <clears throat> We're in the Christmas section. O little town of Bethlehem. Would you read the verse with that one? Thank you. Two five zero, a little town of Bethlehem. Dark streets show. 
Miss Island. Someone else. Hunter? 281. <clears throat> Two hundred eighty-one. What child is this? Would you like to read the verse? Thank you. Let's do the first verse in the chorus. What child is this? Two hundred eighty eight, we three kings, first verse.
Well, it certainly is a great joy to be back in the house of God this evening. I said, I'm glad to be in the house of God. Amen? You say, why do you say that? Well, I'm finding now that I'm more thankful to be indoors than ever before. Some of you may know this, but I preached outdoors this morning. And it's hard on a bald-headed fellow preaching outside in the cold. Amen? Brother Danny, say amen right there. <laughs> Good to see Brother Danny back. I've been been uh, praying for him and Miss Brenda and, uh, uh, and text him every once in a while and call him every now and then. And I do thank God for Brother Danny and Miss Brenda. And thank God for each and every one of you. Thank you, Pastor, for asking me to come just and be with you guys tonight. I wish I could have been here this morning, but we was already booked to go um, uh, preach over in Westfield, which is my hometown. I was born, well, I wasn't born there, but I was raised in Westfield. You say, where's that out? Out in the middle of nowhere, amen? Where our stop sign say, whoa. That's how far out we are. But anyhow, it certainly is a great joy to be back here tonight. And I was, uh, uh, Miss, Miss Levy, I was, I was chuckling a while ago because as we were singing that song, We Three Kings, uh, they got to the part about following the star. My mind went back to when I was pastoring years ago when Hunter was about three years old. Him and his cousin was in our Christmas play, and uh, they had to say the line, follow the star. Well, they was in competition with each other, I believe. As soon as one said it, the other one said it just like that. And they couldn't hardly speak real plain then, so they go, follow the star, follow the star, just like that. And I just, <laughs> I've got it on video, and I pull it out every once in a while, and I'll watch it. And then I'll turn it off when I see me on there because I had hair then and I get depressed when I watch that part. Amen. But uh, anyway, uh, I, I do appreciate, I, I appreciate precious memories like that. Amen. I certainly do. And this month is very special to me uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's because of the birth of our Lord and Savior. Amen. And that's what Christmas is all about. It's about the birth of our Lord and Savior. And of course, it's about family and friends and, and, and charity as well. But also, this coming Wednesday, December the 9th, will make 26 years that I got saved by the grace of God. Amen? And uh, that, Amen. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. Amen. Yeah. <clears throat> and it was at a Christmas play that I got saved then, and I was uh, just right down the road here at True Vine Baptist Church on the right side as you're going down 52, and I've got that on video too, preacher. And, uh, and, I, and I'll, I'll pop it in every December 9th. I have been now for 26 years. I have it on VCR, then I finally got it switched over to DVD, amen? And, uh, and every December 9th, I'll pop it in and watch it and sit there and cry like a baby because I know that I'm not worthy. And I cry also because my hair was real long then, amen? But anyhow, I do appreciate the Lord allowing us to be here tonight. Psalm chapter number 11 is one we'll begin reading tonight. Psalm chapter number 11, um, I... I this is a new message that I believe fits the day and hour for which we live in. Psalm chapter number 11. And I'll begin reading tonight in verse number 1. We'll read the entire chapter. You say, how long is that going to be? It's only seven verses. Amen. So it's not going to be too long. All right. Psalm chapter number 11. I'll begin reading tonight in verse number 1. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And that's a, that's a, a verse right there that's been quoted many a time. 
And it's no more relevant. I mean, it's just as relevant today as it was the day it was written. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Friend of mine, we can do a lot. Amen? I'm glad that we have things that we can, we can still get the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ out. There is no excuse for us not to be able to get the gospel out even in the year of 2020. Amen? Even with everything that's going on. <laughs> See, the devil don't like what I'm telling you. He did that to me this morning. I said something he didn't like. But um, even with everything that's going on, we can still worship the Lord. We can still get the gospel message out. We got things as technology. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. Technology is great when it's working. But brother, it's the devil when it's not. Amen, Brother Ethan. I've said that a thousand times over, and I really mean that. But you see, we are without excuse. And then we find here, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids try the children of men. The Lord tryeth the righteous, but the wicked, and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. May God add his blessings to the reading of the word of God here tonight. You know, this psalm right here is one of many psalms written by David at various times throughout his lifetime. These thoughts were actually pinned down while he served in the courts of King Saul. And what began as a time of great excitement for Brother David quickly became a season of difficulty and despair for this great man of God. And we find here that Saul became very jealous of David and he sought many times to take his life. And friend, let me say this, jealousy is a green-eyed monster, as has been said time and time again. My grandma told me many years ago as I was growing up, she'd always say, Walter, jealousy is always and always has been a green-eyed monster, and brother, that's the truth. It really is. That's why it's so important that we keep ourselves in check and, and don't compare ourselves among ourselves, amen? Because we can easily get jealous if we're not careful. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it, especially with us preachers, amen? Yeah, come on now. I mean, I, that's the truth. But here's the thing. I've seen jealousy destroy many lives. I've seen jealousy destroy many homes. I've seen jealousy take people down the wrong path. And we find here that uh, Saul became jealous of David and sought many times to kill this great man of God. And on the surface, one would imagine there would have been uh, little benefit for David during the season of this life, of his life, but it proved, in fact, to be very beneficial for Brother David. David, like I said, um, during these times, in these trying times, David did but one thing. David learned to have faith. David learned to have wisdom. And David learned to have patience in the Lord. And it's often been said, we better be careful for if we pray for patience because we all know what the Bible says, that patience worketh tribulation. But friend of mine, look up here tonight. I'm going to tell you straight from the Word of God, whether you pray for patience, whether you don't pray for patience, my friend, you're going to have tribulation regardless if you pray for it or not. 
because Jesus Christ said, in this world you shall have tribulation. But thank God, amen, and Yahoo too. Aren't you glad, friend of mine, that it don't stop there, that he went on ahead and he finished the rest of the story? He said, but be of good cheer. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. And I'm glad to know tonight that Jesus Christ has won the victory. And because, my friends, uh, that He's won the victory, you and I have the victory tonight uh, if you're saved by the grace of God. And so, David, he had to learn faith and wisdom and patience. And rather than immediately fleeing in fear, seeking to resolve the issues on his own, David learned to just trust the Lord and behave himself wisely before the court. Isn't it something that when we, when we get saved, when we first get saved, uh, we trust God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and we trust Him enough to save us? But brother, after we've been saved quite some time, uh, we don't trust God enough for the faith that we should have. We don't trust God enough to get us through the next storm. We don't trust God enough to provide our every need. We try to work things out on our own, and it shouldn't be that way. The just shall live by faith. We sing that song uh, living by faith and trusting in Jesus and all that stuff but do we mean it? Do we really mean it? Well we find here that uh, uh, David learned to trust in the Lord and behave himself wisely before the court and through great adversity God was mightily working in David's life and preparing him for the many tasks that lay ahead. We are right now in a preparation period. I believe it. We are preparing for what lies ahead right now. You say, what's going to lie ahead? I have no idea, but I know God is in control. Amen? I said, I don't know who, I don't know what holds tomorrow, but thank God I know who holds tomorrow. Hallelujah. I'm glad to know that He holds my hand and I walk with Him and He walks with me and He'll get me through tomorrow too. Amen? Well, we find that... Um, it certainly wasn't an enjoyable season for David, but it did benefit him. And oftentimes, you and I were forced to deal with situations and circumstances beyond our control and beyond our choosing. And I don't know about some of you, I don't know about many of you, but I know a lot of people today who are control freaks, huh? Come on now. I mean, I know a lot of people who love to control things, but when things get out of their control, they fall to pieces, they have a nervous breakdown, and all that thing, all that stuff happens. But, brother, we got to remember tonight, uh, as children of the living God, uh, that we are not in control, but He is. He is. And a lot of times, every one of us, uh, we will face difficulties and trials that are beyond our ability to handle. And our very first instinct, a lot of times, is to flee and hide. Like they told David to do right here. Flee as a bird to the mountains. They said, he said, David, you're going through something. Why don't you just run and hide and, and just wait till it's all over? And a lot of times, that's the way we, we'll do. I said, we will do that a lot of times as well. I included myself in that. Our first instinct is to flee and hide. However, though, if we could just learn to patiently trust the Lord in faith, he will see us through and provide great wisdom for us to get through the next valley. And so tonight, with, I want us to uh, consider the assurances of David that he offers here in this psalm. And I want to preach on the subject tonight, having faith in the midst of fear. Having faith in the midst of fear. Preacher, when I put this message together, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It's no more timely message 
than for the present. And so I want to talk to you about having faith in the midst of fear. Look back with me in verses 1 through 3. You're, number one, you're going to find David's adversity. You will find David's adversity in verse 1 and 3. Here we find David speaks of the great uh, trials and adversity he faces in this particular difficult season in his life. Notice back in verse number 1, though, we find his trust. You see, the Bible says in verse 1, In the Lord put I my trust. Hey, friend, look up here. He didn't say, In Saul did I put my trust. In the nation of Israel do I put my trust. In, uh, in, in anybody else did I put my trust. Did I, I did not put my trust in the king. And friend of mine, if we're going to be the children of God we ought to be, we don't put our trust in a president. We don't put our trust in a pope. We don't put our trust in government. But thank God our trust lies in Almighty God tonight. That's why I believe everything's going to be all right. Amen. Like the black preacher said, mm, everything's going to be all right. Sure. What did he say? Amen. But David, we find his trust here. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? David asked that as a question. You mean to tell me that you're going you're gonna to sit there and you say you trust God and you say you're saved by the grace of God and you're going to tell me to flee? Is what David was asking. David said, uh-uh, not going to happen on my watch, friend. Well, David knew that he'd been anointed by Samuel. King, he knew that he was going to be king of Israel, but things were not progressing toward his reign beginning anytime soon. It would have been easy to, uh, to have become discouraged and question the Lord. But instead, David just went ahead and put his trust in God anyway. How many of you has been discouraged lately? How many, how many of you has been disheartened lately? Uh, come on now. Let's all be honest. Take the plastic off. Let's be honest tonight. As a matter of fact, preacher, I'm going to be honest with you. Just this week, I went through all of it. Discouragement. Defeat. Disheartened. Disgruntled. You name it, brother. If it began with a letter D, I went through it. <laughs> you know, as preachers, we got to have it all just lined up right. And uh, I, I had, I mean, I got to the point, I didn't know if I could even pray. I was ready to just resign, start looking in the papers and find me a, a job, and just go back to being a normal life. But you know what? I've never been normal. I'm surprised you didn't say amen right there. <laughs> but then I got to reading this psalm right here. I got to reading what David went through. I got to seeing everything that David went through before he became king of Israel. And I, the Lord just spoke to my heart and he said, Walter, straighten up because everything's going to be all right. Amen. And a friend of mine, uh, we've all been there. We've all done that. We all face difficulties. And we all face disheartments. And we all face discouragement and defeat. But brother, now's not the time to quit. Now's not the time to give up. Now's the time to just go ahead and trust in the Lord. Amen. Having faith in the midst of fear. We fear those things we cannot see. It's called fear of the unknown. Hmm? That's what it's called. David knew he'd been anointed, and he could have quit, but he said, I'm just going to trust God anyway. He knew that the Lord, he knew, he had assurance, brethren, that God called him to become king. And in his time, David was going to be king over Israel. He, he already had that settled, just like our salvation. When you get saved by the grace of God, look up here, when you get saved by the grace of God, 
it's supposed to be settled. Just because you don't have a certain feeling when you get saved doesn't mean you're not saved. If all I had was feelings to, to go on by my salvation, brother, I'd be lost 99% of the time because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't always feel saved. Hmm? I don't always feel saved. I, I've just been real tonight because feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. But, brother, my faith is in the Word of God and nothing else is worth believing. Amen? Dr. Curtis Hudson said that. And I believe that too. But we find here that um, David knew he was already anointed. He had, God had confirmed it in his heart. He's going to be king. Apparently, though, some people had encouraged David to flee as a bird to the mountains, organizing troops of men to challenge Saul for the throne. And certainly he had to develop a following, but David knew his path had been ordained of God, and he chose to just go ahead and trust God rather than seeking the work things out on his own. And friend of mine, look up here. If we try to do things on our own, we'll fall flat on our face every time. You see, I can't, I can't uh, do the work God's called me to do without God himself. I can't sit up here and preach without God helping me. Amen? I mean, I've always been, uh, I've always been an outgoing kind of a fella. I remember one time in second grade preaching with something about old music a while ago. I'm, I, was, I remember one time in second grade we had show and tell day. Y'all remember those things? Show and tell? Yeah. We had show and tell. Well, I didn't have nothing to I didn't have nothing to uh to bring with me, but I had to show and I was going to tell it. <coughs> you say, What are you talking about, Brother Walter? I said, Well, I got up uh, I said I got my two 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 of my best friends with me, and their oldest brother pastors a church now over over in Westfield in Francis Cove, and uh, Andy Pack and uh, his two younger brothers were my best friends. And I said, boys, i tell you what we're going to do. Let's get up here and let's put on a show for our second grade class. I said, you're going to be my backup singers. I'm going to be Elvis Presley. I got up and I shook my leg and I sang, you ain't nothing but a hound dog. That's what I did for show and tell, amen? <laughs> I slicked my hair back, brother. I thought I was the youngest Elvis there ever was. And that's what we did for show and tell. And friend, it's like this, uh, uh, I don't even know why I was going to that, but it's good for your blood pressure. <coughs> but you see, in seasons of great, you see, we, he had to work things out on his own. He was, uh, but every time you work things out on your own, you're going to fall flat on your face. God had called him, and he knew God would provide. And friend, in seasons of great adversity, you and I would do well to follow the wisdom of David right here. Uh, we must learn to trust in the Lord at all times, in the good days, as well as the bad days. Let me say it again for the people in the back. And for, I guess you got some in the cars too listening, amen? But uh, I, said that, I said tonight, we must learn to trust the Lord in the good days as well as in the bad days, amen? I mean, I thank God for the mountaintop. I thank God for the good days. I thank God for the good old days, amen? How many of you remember the good old days? Some of you are not old enough to remember the good old days. But you know what I found out, preacher? We can make today some good old days for tomorrow's children. Huh? We certainly can. I know everything that's going on. I know it looks bad on the outside. I mean, we got a worldwide pandemic. 
we got political unrest, we got rebellious uprising, and we got things that's happening that's uh, beyond our control. But I promise you this, friend of mine, it caught God not by surprise. God knew exactly what 2020 was going to be like way before you and I were ever born. Amen. And I still believe we can still have some good old days for today that we can have for tomorrow as well. And we just need to learn to trust God. Oftentimes we are tempted to take our circumstances into our hands and seek to work out a solution. And while this approach may seem reasonable and even possible, we would do well to just go ahead and lean on the Lord and trust in Him. Isaiah 26.3 puts it like this. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Isaiah put it best. He said, you keep your mind on the Lord, and I promise you, you have peace in your heart. And then he goes on to say, because he trusteth in thee. You want to know why so many people are discouraged today? I'll tell you why. It's because they're putting on the news. Huh? They're watching too much news instead of reading the good news. And brother, let me say it like this. I'm all for watching news. We better keep up what's going on in the world. We need to uh, be aware of our surroundings, but friend of mine, we need to pay attention to what's going on. But I'll promise you this, uh, we don't need to get bogged down with what's going on because this is just a this is just a temporary thing for the child of God. Uh, this world is not our home. Uh, we're just a passing through and thank God, friend of mine, we can have faith uh, in the midst of fear because this world is temporary for us. It's temporary for us. And I believe Paul put it like this. Set your mind and your affections on things above, not on things of the earth, for moth and rust doth corrupt. We need to be aware of our surroundings, but don't let it eat you up. Amen? And that's, I'll tell you something. I'm going to add another D to what I said a moment ago. Distractions. Distractions will get you defeated, discouraged, and disheartened. If we're not careful. Tell you something else David saw. We see his turmoil. Verse number 2. For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string that they may probably shoot at the upright in heart. You see, David was honest in understanding of his difficulty. He knew his life was being sought by wicked men. They would do nothing, they would do anything possible to get rid of him from the court. And we also find that Saul's jealousy influenced other men to seek the life of David, presumably to protect Saul in the, ki- in the kingdom. And in all of this, David kept things in perspective. David knew that everything's going to be okay. David knew that he'd been anointed by Samuel. David knew that God had called him to be king. And he said, even though they, the, the wicked come after me, I'm not going to quit on God. I'm not going to flee as a bird to the mountain. He kept things in perspective. And child of God, that's exactly what you and I need to do. We need to keep things in perspective tonight. I know COVID is a real thing. I said I know COVID is a real thing. Down in Mount Airy, we had 22 cases in the last week. I've got friends over in Kenya, over in Uganda, who's got cases still. COVID is, is just as real as the noses on your face. 
but God's going to see us through. Amen? And it's like this. David do anything possible, but David kept things in perspective. He knew they sought his life because he was upright in heart. And their problem really wasn't personal with David. Their problem was this. The problem was that David served the Lord with all of his heart, and the determination he had to follow God, they didn't like. God anointed David to succeed Saul as king, and Saul wanted no part of that. He didn't want anything to do with that. Matter of fact, Saul was infuriated that the kingdom was not going to be passed down to his descendants. See, David was not a descendant of Saul. And Saul was upset. He was mad because God had David coming right after him. Now, we cannot expect this world, my friend, to understand or even embrace our faith. They don't understand it. You know why? Because they're lost. They don't understand it because they don't have the favor of God. And we live in a world that's tainted by sin, rebelling against the very God who created us. And let me put it this way. I've heard people say it a lot. I've seen it on social media. We are all God's children. Our friend, we're not all God's children, but we are all God's creation. You see, in order to be a child of God, you must be born again. That's what the Bible says. Taterman didn't say that. That's not Taterology 101. That's the Word of God. Amen? Jesus said you must be born again. No man can go to the Father except by Him. You must be saved if you're going to be a child of God. But everybody is a creation of God. We're all created uh, by the Lord. Amen? Nobody getting boomed in here and banged in here. We were created by Him. David, there, and like I said, we cannot expect the world to embrace our faith. As a matter of fact, the world desires to live as they please without anybody confronting their sinful ways. They don't like it when it says, when the Bible says, and when a man of God says it's wrong to commit adultery. They don't like that. They don't like it when they stand up and say, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. They don't like that, my friend. But nonetheless, it's still the truth from the Word of God. But we can't expect them to do anything less. Why? Because they are sinners. They're sinners. I'm not preaching that we're better than they are, but we are better off than they are. Amen? We're better off than they are because we're saved. And I understand, too, that sometimes folks that are saved, they might get out of church and backslide on God and, and go back to drinking. As a matter of fact, I got a friend like that right now who's done that. But I promise you this, God, God's going to get their attention. Well, those who, those viewed as a hindrance to the world's ways, to their deceptive and depraved ways, are marked. They will stop at next to nothing to silence their voices and remove their influence. Those who are determined to follow God as a child of God does today, serving Him according to His word, will be targeted by society. You can bake on it. What's happening right now? You look at uh, Dr. Jack Tribber out in California. Are they not targeting his church? They certainly are. are. Is the government not trying to come down harder on churches 
uh, trying to using COVID and everything else, trying to control. Hey, friend of mine, I'm going to say it loud, and I'm going to say it plain. Uh, we talk about separation of church and state. Let me put it like this. That was to keep the state out of church affairs. Amen? Read the letter, read the letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Church. Amen? You, you, you'll, you'll understand it better. But it's like this. They will stop it next to nothing to try and stop us. Also, in verse number 3, we find David's thoughts. He said, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, that's an interesting um, thought posed by David right here. He's, they're telling him to run, but he's not going to. Saul's trying to kill him, and he knows he's not going to succeed. And yet, David says... If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, we must not view this as a resignation of defeat. David was not defeated right here when he wrote that, uh, wrote that line, wrote that verse. He wasn't defeated. The foundation here speaks of the set order of things. And friend of mine, we serve a God tonight. We serve a God tonight who is a God of order. All things done decently and in order or by the Lord. Amen. We serve a God of order tonight. Do you believe that this, uh, what's happening right now, that God was, that God was surprised by it? Do you think God's up in heaven right now, popping pills and eating Tylenol, wringing his hands and said, I don't know what I'm going to do next? Absolutely not. Uh, hey, God is a God of order. He knows what's happened today. He knew what happened yesterday. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And friend of mine, and when I, we just need to go ahead and trust in him and have faith uh, in a midst of fear. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The foundations speak of things set in order. David knew that he alone could do nothing about the depravity of that day. And Saul and those who followed him had rejected the ways of God and sought their own agenda. David knew if Israel was going to survive the attacks on the foundation, God would have to intervene. And although you and I were removed thousands of years from David, the scenario is playing right before our very eyes tonight. The scenario that he was in way back when is playing out right before our very eyes here tonight. You look at the political unrest. You look at the rebellious uprisings. You look at the world pandemic. Friend of mine, we're living in the days of, I believe, Psalm chapter 11. I believe that. It's a little bit different situation, but, I mean, things are playing out right before our very eyes tonight. And it's like this. The very foundations of our society are being destroyed by those whose agenda is contrary to everything biblical and everything godly. They want to get rid of us. And I'm not being a doomsday preacher. I'm being a realist tonight. They're trying, they're wanting to get rid of us. And friend of mine, we are facing increasing pressure to conform to the demands of society and abandon our biblical principle. And we may feel tonight as if there is little we can do, but we must remember that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things and God is still in control of all of it. Amen? He is. God's not unaware of our situation and things are not beyond His control. As a matter of fact, he is sovereign over our present situation. 
When tempted to flee and hide, we must go ahead and trust Him to equip us to face the challenges ahead. He's able and willing to meet our needs. Matter of fact, uh, 2 Timothy 2.19 puts it like this. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. I said the foundation of God standeth sure. What's your foundation built upon tonight? <laughs> Amen. Little children used to sing a song, uh, uh, something about the, the house being upon a uh, sand or upon a rock and all that. I don't know about you, but a friend of mine, I'm glad that when I got saved uh, 26 years ago, uh, he set my feet upon a rock uh, and he established my goings. He had put a new song in my, in my heart and in my mouth. Amen. And many shall see it and fear and trust in the Lord. Thank God. I'm glad to report tonight. Uh, I'm standing firmly on the rock of ages. Not because I'm a Rock of Ages missionary either, amen. Now, before I was a Rock of Ages missionary, I was still standing on a Rock of Ages. By the grace of God, I'll continue standing on a Rock of Ages. I say by the grace of God. Because you know why? I'm still made of flesh. I can get off the Rock of Ages. You can too, if you're not careful. That's why it's so important to stay close to God and trust in Him, Amen. We find that, um, like I said, they're trying to get rid of everything biblical and godly. We're facing increasing pressure to conform to them when uh, we must remember that God is still in control. In control. And the Lord knoweth them that are His. Uh, as we finish 2 Timothy 2.19, And nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ uh, depart from iniquity. I am sealed tonight uh, by the Lord, and He does sign my pardon, and thank God, one of these days, friend of mine, I'm going to be delivered. Amen. Signed, sealed, and delivered. I know. Amen. Yes, sir. Well, last of all tonight, David speaks of authority. Verses 4 through 7. Although faced with great adversity, David knew he had nothing to fear. God was sovereign and had maintained absolute authority. Now consider this. Very first part of verse number 4, we find a position that the Lord is in. David said, The Lord is in His temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Although Saul had departed from the ways of the Lord, he remained on the throne of Israel. David knew he would rise to the throne someday, but as of yet, it has not happened as he was writing this psalm. It would have been easy to have given up and abandoned God's will for his life, but you know what he did? He took courage in the Lord. If we're going to do the will of God, that's what we got to do tonight. We just need to take courage in Almighty God. Don't let the ways of the world discourage you from doing what God's called you to do. I, you know, I see a lot of people tonight, uh, they get discouraged and they quit because they got their eyes on the wrong thing, on the wrong people. And the throne of Israel may not have been occupied by a godly man, but the throne of heaven was occupied by the Lord. Always has been, always will be. His throne cannot be overturned either. Can I go ahead and put that in there? God's throne cannot be overturned. God cannot be impeached. They can't vote him out. Amen. Hey, friend, I'm telling you that to say this. Last time somebody tried to throw God out of his throne, he himself got kicked out of heaven. God's always going to be God. God's always going to be upon his throne. And that's what we just need to put trust and confidence in tonight and have faith in the midst of fear. Throughout time and eternity, God's throne had been 
and will continue to be occupied by Almighty God Himself. Tonight, we are in desperate need of leadership in America and around the world. Those in positions of authority, leading nations and people, have rejected the Lord and His ways, and it may appear, I said it may appear, that things have spiraled out of control, but the Lord still remains on His throne. Look at verse 4, latter part of verse 4 and 5, we see the perception of the Lord. The Bible says, His eyes behold, His eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked, and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. You see, David knew God was well aware of his situation and, need, and the needs of Israel. His eyes beheld the works of men. He knew the very heart of David, and also he knew the heart of Saul and his followers. David knew he may have to face a season of difficulty and testing, but he also remembered that he was still loved of the Lord. He also knew God hated the violence of the wicked, and God will deal with them according to their way. How about them apples? I said God was going to deal with the wicked according to their way. Most people today never really consider any kind of accountability to the Lord. They don't keep in mind that one of these days, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and they're going to declare Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And they're going to give an account someday, amen? Those who are lost will give an account at the great white throne judgment of God. But we who are saved by the grace of God will stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account as to why and how we served Him. Not about our salvation because that's already been taken care of. Once saved, always saved. Hallelujah. Hot dog and yahoo too. Once saved, always saved. Amen. But we will give an account how we serve him. Well, we find that um, most people today, they feel as if they, they have the privilege of living their lives according to their own desires. No one would ever question that or expect accountability. Many people today believe their lives are hidden. A friend of mine, look up here. God sees all and knows all. We may have to face trials, but we are loved of God and cared for by Him. Regardless of what comes our way, God still loves us. Amen? The wicked will stand before God and give an account of their lives ahead. I'll put it this way. Proverbs 15, 3 puts it like this. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. He knows everything that's going on. He knows all about you. He knows all about me. He knows all about them in the world. He knows what's happening. He knows when riots take place. He knows when, when people burn Bibles. He knows when there's political unrest. He knows when there's a fa I said for him, he knows it all. We just need to have faith in the midst of fear. Last of all, we find in verse number 6, the punishment of the Lord. He said, Upon thee shall rain snares, fire, brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. David knew the wicked may have enjoyed a season of prominence and prosperity, but their evil ways had not gone unnoticed. God kept a record. Those who reject the Lord and deny His ways will face His wrath. Repentance was their only hope, and if they refused to seek the Lord, well... He would deal with them according to their ways. Oftentimes today, it seems, the wicked prosper while the righteous suffer. 
Does it feel like that? Does it feel as if the wicked is prospering every day? While those who are saved by the grace of God, sometimes we're struggling to make ends meet. Sometimes we struggle to even get through the next hour of the day. But friend of mine, we must remember, it's going to be a payday someday. Hallelujah. Amen. There's going to be a reckoning day one day with the Lord. Those who choose to live as they please, ignoring the pleading of the Holy Spirit and salvation, one day will face the Lord in righteous judgment. Last of all, we see the prosperity in the Lord. Verse number 7. The righteous Lord loveth the righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. Wickedness may have been prevalent in David's day, but he knew the Lord was righteous, and he would uphold and defend those who followed him. I don't know about you, but I sure am glad to be on the Lord's side, ain't you? I said I'm glad tonight to be on the Lord's side, but more importantly, hallelujah, I'm glad he's on my side too. Amen. I said, I'm glad tonight that God is on my side too. Amen. Well, it's like this. The wicked may have prospered and even gained upper hand from time to time, but the, they didn't enjoy God's favor. David knew the Lord was righteous, and he would honor those who sought him. God knew the struggles the upright faced, and he would provide in their times of need. And friend, it's like this. It's... Um, very easy to become discouraged in our day. We look around, we see the advance of evil on every hand. But did not the Bible say this, know you also in the last days perilous times shall come? And it, we've been living in the last days since the day of Paul. We really have. I know sometimes people get tore up about living in the last days, but we've been in the last days since the day of Paul. And we're living in some perilous times, but can I remind you tonight, God's still in control. I think I've reminded you quite a few times, haven't I? God's still in control. Well, it's like this. Things I believe. Here's what happened. Uh, we look around and see the advance of evil. Most people have no desire for the Lord and would prefer society to experience no reference to God. They want to silence our witness, marginalize our existence. And friend of mine, I believe it's going to get worse before it gets better, before the child of God is going to get better. Amen? Can I put it that way? Spiritually speaking, it's only going to get better. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. But we can rest in the Lord while we're waiting on the best to come. There is comfort in helping Him. We are loved of Him, and He will continue to provide for us. Jesus died in our place, redeeming us unto himself. He secured our eternal life as he rose triumphant over death. He's preparing a place for it in heaven for those who belong to him. Life may get difficult down here from time to time, and it will continue to be so. But we have much more to anticipate than the struggles we have down here. The struggles are nothing compared to what we're going to get over the, when we all get to heaven. Amen. Like Dr. Joe Walker used to sing, it'll be worth it all. Huh? I said, it's going to be worth it all when we see Jesus. Amen. There's a brighter day coming for the child of God. Like the old song goes, if my future's so bright, I have to wear shades. Amen. It really is. Not because my bald head is. As I close tonight, we're living in troublesome times. Our religious liberties are being challenged. The moral landscape of our nation has radically changed and is radically changing from day to day. 
Uh, but we can face difficult days with a new confidence tonight, child of God, simply because there's no need of fear because God is always near. How about that? I made a poem, didn't I? There's no need of fear because God's always near. We face nothing that He does not allow and will not be asked to endure any trial that He's not able to provide the wisdom and strength that we need to make it through. We made it through yesterday. We made it through today. We'll make it through tomorrow should the Lord allow us to live tomorrow. Amen? We must not flee in fear, but stand firmly in our faith and trust confidently in Him. And like I said at the beginning of the night's message, we must learn to have faith in the midst of fear. How's your faith tonight? Preacher, I'm done. Thank you. Let's just take a second tonight and uh, just have a moment of prayer right there in your seats. And uh, I want to ask you that. It's real easy to allow things, situations, things that are going on in this world, as he's preached about tonight, to overwhelm us. Anybody been there? <laughs> to start to take control of our minds and our thoughts. And, and I love the thought. Is listen, listen. Our let's not let our let's not let our fear overrun our faith. Let's let our faith overrun our fear. Still greater is He that's in me than He that's in this world. So take a moment. Whatever whatever the burden is that been overwhelming you just give it to the lord say lord you're greater lord you're greater lord you're greater than these thoughts lord you're greater than this these fears that uh that maybe i wouldn't announce to someone else but lord you yeah, those uh, the, that are in my heart they're in my mind you're greater than this and, and lord i'm going to serve you and i'm not going to let that fear i'm not going to let it overwhelm my faith lord by by, by faith tonight i'm choosing i'm choosing faith and I'm saying, get out of here, fear. They can't coincide together. So, just let your faith rise tonight. And tell fear, get out of here. Get out of here. My Jesus is greater. Father, we thank you for the message tonight, Lord. We, we thank you for the just the reminder many times throughout the message that we serve a God who's in control. We thank you that we're not... We're the ones that get ourselves in the mess in the first place. But we're thankful you are. And your ways are higher than ours. Your thoughts are higher than ours. And, Lord, that means when you're in control, that's better than us being in control. And we're thankful tonight we can trust in a sovereign God who controls, who is in control, who, who just wants what's best for us, who will help us through every trial, through every tribulation, through every adversity. Lord, help our faith to rise up and kick our fears out the door. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brother Tater, I'm going.